Today's word comes from Luke chapter 11, verses 1 to 4. Luke chapter 11, verses 1 to 4. Now Jesus was praying in a certain place, and when he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray as John taught his disciples. And he said to them, When you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, give us each day our daily bread, and forgive us our sins, for we ourselves forgive everyone who is indebted to us, and lead us not into temptation. This is the word of God. Hi. Hello. Um, I am so excited to uh, share with you um, what the Lord has put on my heart and given to me. I might not be as excited as the people up here when Sonny, I introduced Sonny to pray. I heard some people go, woo! Um, I've never heard that before. So Sonny, you must be an amazing prayer warrior. Um, Yeah. And that's perfect because that is um, what we're going to talk about today. Um, before we start, uh, everyone, please have a Bible ready because you will be using it today. Imagine that. You're going to use your Bibles in church. Um, like I said, I- I'm very excited about uh, what I want to share with you today. And uh, what I want you to do, there should be Bibles just kind of in front of you in the trays, the seats under uh, under the seats in front of you. So, <clears throat> before we start, um, I want to ask everyone to take a second right now to think of something in your life that you just want to experience God's power in. Because I, one of the reasons I'm so excited today is um, at the end of the sermon, you're going to have a chance, and I truly believe this from the bottom of my heart, that you're going to have an encounter with God today. And that's really exciting for me, and I can't wait for us to get there. Um, and so think about something in your life where maybe it's an area that you feel uh, a bit more defeated than you'd like, um, and you just want God to come and just touch that area uh, with his power, with his hope, with his change. And don't think of somebody else. Don't think of your spouse Oh, God, touch that person in that. No, it's for you. Think of yourself right now. Okay. Um, You know, every time we gather, whether it's Sunday worship or whether it's a GLF on a Friday after a long week of work or whether it's a LOLMD meeting in, you know, the the dead of winter, fighting traffic, um, every time we gather, we should all have a sense of deep anticipation. Why? Because for the simple fact that Jesus is alive, he's not dead. Amen? So whenever you go to gather with other believers, because Jesus is not dead and he's alive, you're going to meet a living God, whether it's a Sunday worship like today, or a GLF or an LOLMD or a prayer, whatever it is, you're going to meet the living God Almighty. And so you should have a sense of anticipation every time God's church gathers. Um, 
On that note, uh, I'm going to ask you to do something today that we don't typically do. Um, and don't worry, it's nothing like heretical or unbiblical. Um, it's something that I want to kind of push us a little bit, give us a little gentle nudge out of our comfort zone. Um, I hope that's okay. I hope nobody's thinking about, you know, running for the hills screaming yet. Um, but it's, it is going to be a little bit atypical. And so I'm just going to ask you to, to just trust. Don't trust me, trust God. Okay, because he brought you here for a reason and he gave me this great idea and I'm going to give it to you. Okay, so this is God idea. If you don't like it, blame him, don't blame me. Or blame Joe. <laughs> Uh, the last couple of weeks, what has been the topic that we've been talking about um, here at Revive Church? Anybody? One word. Starts with a D. Yeah, you guys are so smart. Discipleship. Now, there are a lot of ways, right, in which we can describe or define discipleship, but I'm just going to boil it down into something very simple Here's one way that I think of discipleship. When I think of discipleship, I mean, it's a huge thing. So I try to boil it down because, you know, I'm not that smart. I try to boil it down. And here's, here's what I think discipleship is. And this is a really, I think, comprehensive but simple definition. Being a disciple of Jesus, and you have your notes, you should have your sermon sheets go along. You can fill in the blanks and that'll help you uh, follow along. Being a disciple of Jesus is first meeting Jesus and then following Jesus. Can you all turn to your neighbor and say, disciple is meeting Jesus? Now turn to your other neighbor, because they might feel left out, and meeting Jesus. I'm fo following Jesus, sorry. All right, write that down. Now, when the 12 disciples, when they followed Jesus, they weren't merely, you know, just following him like, you know, little chicks following their mother hen. Following someone at the time, especially in this, uh, you know, relationship of disciple-discipler, um, in, in, you know, Galilee and other parts of Palestine at that time, what following entailed was actually abiding in their teachings. So really they're absor absorbing what they're saying and then trying to reconcile whatever they teach with the reality that they see and, and try to see how that works. Following meant observing the leader. You just watch the leader and you see how he interacts with people. Sometimes those people are friendly. Sometimes those people were not so friendly. And you would learn from watching your leader, the person you were following, interact with these people in all types of different circumstances. And you'd also, as a follower, you would... Just live with them. <laughs> and you would learn from their modeling. And you would spend time in conversation, right? What kind of mentorship, coaching, whatever you want to kind of think about, you know, teaching relationship would there be if there's no conversation, right? Now, ultimately... Jesus invites you and I into a discipleship relationship. And lucky us, he wants to disciple you. Think about that. Jesus Christ, the Son of God, has selected you to be one of his disciples. 
How amazing is that? Try to just let that sink in for a second. As you enter into this discipleship relationship, as you follow Jesus, what Jesus wants to do and what you have to prepare yourself to do is to receive his love. Jesus wants to, like a cup pouring into another cup, he wants to pour his love and his life into your life. The Son of God wants to invest in you. Imagine that. He wants to spend time with you. He wants to hang out with you. (laughs) So that you and I might then turn around and do the same thing and participate in the same glorious project for others. That we might then invest in other people and love them for the sake of Jesus Christ. So Jesus is, in this particular context, he is the discipler, and whoever professes to be his follower, right? A disciple is someone who meets Jesus and follows Jesus. He follows, he or she follows him in all aspects of his life. And so we have our theme verse for for, uh, this sermon series. And we're just gonna focus on Um, a few things here, but here we go. Read this together with me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And there's more to it, but we're just going to focus on this, right? Now, look at this. This This is amazing. Part of being a disciple is then to teach or to learn both, right? To observe, what is that word? All that who? Jesus has commanded you. Now, if you feel like you can observe everything perfectly that Jesus commands you, raise your hand. <laughs> I don't see anybody eager to raise their hand. Oh, Joseph, oh, you're just scratching your nose. Okay. <laughs> all that I have commanded you, Jesus, are you kidding me? Well, obviously, all is a lot, but don't fret. We're going to just break this down into smaller chunks. Today, we're just going to focus on one, one part of one of these commands, okay? Not all, just one today. Does that sound good? Manageable? All right, one particular aspect. For today, that one aspect is prayer. So let's define prayer. You guys following along in your sheets? Um, I'm going to describe, define it and describe prayer a little bit here. Prayer is communication with God. And, you know, God is such a generic word these days. God could refer to anything. I mean, it could even refer to like, you know, I don't know, a a McDonald's French fry. Oh my God, it's so delicious, right? You are so delicious. You bring me such joy and satisfaction. No, so I'm not gonna use the word God. And if I do, I want you to understand, I'm, I'm actually referring to a very specific God. His name is Yahweh. That's how he reveals himself in scripture. I was going to bring a Bible up, um, a paper Bible, but I have this. Just pretend this is a paper Bible. So prayer is communication with Yahweh, the personal name of this very specific God, for the sake of relationship with, with Yahweh. The main idea here is relationship. The main idea being relationship. Okay, look, prayer is communication with Yahweh, but 
Think about this, guys. Even communication is there to serve a purpose, is it not? Right? Communication serves a purpose, and that purpose is relationship. And in this particular case, relationship with God, with Yahweh. So I want you to think about this. Prayer is relationship with Yahweh. Adam and Eve, they enjoyed a very close relationship with God, and they had very good times of communion and communication, walking and talking with God in the garden, as we read in the book of Genesis. Prayer can involve, since it's relationship and not just about, you know, communication, it's more underlying, it's about relationship. Therefore, prayer can involve not just spoken words, but prayer can involve unspoken thoughts, right? Prayer can involve sighs that are just too deep for words. Sometimes you're in a place where you're feeling something so deep that you can't find the words. You don't even have maybe the strength to rustle up the words to capture really what you're feeling. And you just moan and groan. And scripture even talks about how the Holy Spirit of God knows that and intercedes for you with moans and groans. Because sometimes in life, that's all we can muster, right? And isn't it so good that we serve a God who doesn't expect you to give like a, you know, 100, you know, word essay delineating exactly how you feel, right? And he's gonna grade that and he's gonna critique it and it's gonna come back with red marks and here, this is what you should have said, Right? Because you didn't say this, that's why you didn't get this. Thank God, amen, that he's not a God like this. And so he's a God who knows even the thoughts, you know, that are on your tongue before you even speak them. So prayer is not just words, it's your internal thoughts. It's the, the sighs that are too deep for words. Prayer is an act of relationship that draws us closer to God. Are you hearing me? Prayer is an act of relationship that draws you closer to Yahweh. You cannot have a thriving relationship with God if you are not having a thriving prayer life. That's just the reality. Now here's a cool thing, as I was alluding to a little bit before, the value of your prayer, the quality of your prayer does not depend on the eloquence of your words. I want you to, to think about um, maybe a time that you were asked to pray in public. <laughs> and already some of your palms, you guys, your palms are getting sweaty, your throat's getting a little dry, and you're feeling a little sweat drop that's beat on your forehead, right? <laughs> and I understand that. You know, maybe you've been nervous about praying because you thought your prayers were not fancy enough. Or maybe you were hesitant to pray for a different reason because you've had thoughts something like this, I have no right to ask or expect anything from God because I am just not good enough. I sin all the time. I'm, I'm not like those Christian-y people. I'm like, I have problems and I don't feel good enough that God will answer my prayer. I'm not holy enough. I'm not faithful enough. Anybody ever feel that way? 
Well, guess what? When Jesus was being crucified, there was a criminal who was crucified right next to Jesus. (laughs) And that guy was convicted. He was a convicted criminal. And even that man was able to have a full, honest conversation with Jesus. Nobody is so dirty that they can't have a conversation with God. You can never be so dirty, so sinful, that you cannot have a conversation with God. Look, if we all had to be perfectly clean before we could talk to God, then how could that criminal have talked with Jesus? Jesus even promises you, on this day, you will be with me in paradise. That guy was not religious. That guy was not clean by any stretch of the imagination. He was a convicted criminal. And yet he was able to have a real conversation with the Son of God. How about the woman at the well? How could she have had a conversation with Jesus? She had this long history of promiscuity, and marrying man after man, and then the man that she was living with, she wasn't even legally married to. And she had a very honest, well, (laughs) she had a very honest on Jesus' part, at least, conversation with God, the Son of God, Jesus. Romans 8.1, there is no condemnation for those who in Christ Jesus, amen? So write this down. Prayer is relationship with Jesus, and everyone has a starting point with Jesus. Everyone has a starting point. The value of your prayer is not in the eloquence of your words, but it's in the very personal, the very quiet, sometimes loud feelings, emotions, desires, and hopes. All of the heartaches, Prayer is an exchange of those things between you and God. It's your relationship with God. So your eloquence, save your eloquence for your relationships in the business world, in the school world, trying to, you know, put it all in your college admission essays. Eloquence does work there. Don't get me wrong. But with God, it doesn't matter. He just wants your heart. He just wants an intimate exchange of your honest heartaches, feelings, dreams, hopes, fears. That's all it is. And that's everything it is. Next point. A vibrant prayer life is meant to be more dialogue than monologue. A vibrant prayer life is meant to be more dialogue than pure monologue. Uh, You, you know... If you've spent any time with me, you, you might notice, I don't know, it's very subtle. I've been trying, you know, to educate <laughs> through the words that I use. When I say, I, you know, talk with God, I don't talk to God, I don't talk at God. There's a difference. Imagine you have, you know, a friend that uh, whenever he or she called you on the phone, they would spend the entire phone call just talking about his day, his problem, his thoughts, not once thinking to ask you about your day or your thoughts or your opinions, your desires. Maybe, you know, you, because you love this friend, 
you're going to tolerate it. You're okay with that. And you say, ah, well, you know, that's just my friend. And sure, there are times when, you know, it does call for one person to talk a lot more, right? And they need to vent. And yes, that's friendship too. I'm not discounting that. But what if that's how that relationship was for every conversation? And this went on for years and years and years, right? And they never once asked you about what you thought. Frankly, that's, that's not a healthy friendship, is it? That's more like a, a broken ship. So let's think now about our own prayer lives. Is that what our prayer looks like? Is that a picture of our prayer life? You know, I'm, I'm not above it. I'm not above the fray. I got to confess in front of you that there are times in my prayer life where I might as well just be in an echo chamber. It's just me venting, right? And God is so gracious and so patient and so compassionate. He does hear me. But that's not if you're going to, you know, have a healthy, vibrant relationship with God. It can't be like that every day, all your days, until you die. It can't. It just doesn't work. And there are examples in the Bible. All about my desires, all about my list of grievances. And I give hardly a thought to the possibility that maybe God, that maybe Yahweh, maybe he has desires. Did you ever think about that? Maybe Yahweh has his own list of grievances. If you've read the Bible, you know that he does. It's kind of weird to think, oh, God complains. Yes, God complains a lot. If you would just ask, maybe he would tell you what burdens his heart. Did you ever think about that? Or is our prayer just us yapping away, never giving a thought to God's desires or his grievances? Just as you and I have things that we want to pray about, which is fine, which is good. God wants that. But God, Yahweh, he also has things that he would like for you and me to pray about. God has prayer requests too. And that's our title today, right? Yahweh has prayer requests too. So when I pray, like I'm the only one in this relationship, and you know, I'm not proud to admit that that happens a lot. When I pray, like I'm the only one in this relationship with any kind of prayer requests, what I'm doing, and I want you to hear this, guys, what I'm doing is I'm leaving God out of the picture of this really big part of my life. And when I do that, I'm missing out on so much. If you're doing that, you're missing out on so much. You might find that your prayer life is satisfactory, but you know what? Once you start thinking about prayer in a different way and taking into consideration that Yahweh might have desires and grievances and feelings and emotions... If you think it's kind of weird that God has feelings and emotions, again, read Psalms, read the Bible. It's all there. You're missing out on so much. When I do this, I'm missing out on God's wisdom. That could be very helpful. <laughs> I'm missing out on getting to see God's heart. I miss out on getting to feel God's heart. I miss out on getting to see God turn the things 
that excite his divine mind, that captivate his divine heart into reality. I miss out on that because I'm not taking the time to sit there in my prayer life and say, God, how are you doing? What's on your mind? What's on your heart? What do you want to communicate to me? Tell me, I'm an open book. I'm a blank page. Tell me. And he will tell you. And he will excite your mind with the things that excite his divine mind. And he fill your heart with the things that fill his heart with divine joy. How about that? That sound attractive to you? Divine joy? So we miss out our prayer lives can then sometimes uh, just seem more tedious and less joyous and alive. So if you feel like your prayer life is kind of, oh God, yeah, I don't want to prayers. Like, uh, this may be one thing that you want to start practicing. So let me share with you what I do to try to help my prayer life uh, avoid becoming all about me. And I got to like really push against that, okay? Um, Really, it's, it's just a very simple thing. In my prayer times, um, I will, you know, as I talk to God about whatever's on my mind, then I give God, I literally just give God time and space to speak to me too. And I do that in the following two ways. Number one, I will literally, you know, ask God, God, what do you want to say to me today? God, what's on your heart? What's on your mind? And then... I sit there in silence and I wait for him to talk. And because God is a living personal God, I know that he'll share something with me. Now, I know what your all natural question is, oh, does that mean you actually hear God? Does it like an audible voice? Um, well, no. <laughs> uh, the answer is in... The second part, number two. In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith, which you gotta have faith if you're gonna have prayer, even if it's just a little tiny bit of faith, with which you can extinguish the flaming darts of the evil one and take the helmet of salvation. And here's where I want to uh, really focus the sword of the Spirit, which is what? The Word of God. And then right after the Word of God, what do we see? Praying at all times in the Spirit with all prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance. Making supplication. Supplication is just presenting needs. And so present the needs for all the saints, yourself included, but also everybody else. So God is encouraging us here. He's instructing us, pray at all times in the Spirit. Well, how do you do that? Well, it's preceded immediately by this, the Word of God. What I'm trying to show you and demonstrate to you is prayer is part and parcel of the Word of God. You cannot separate prayer from the Word of God. And so when I'm in my prayer room or in my car, or wherever here in the you know, church building, and I'm praying, and I go, okay, God, you've heard what I had to say. Now it's your turn. 
And then I just sit there in silence. And like I said to you before, you know, God doesn't, at least to me, doesn't give me an audible voice. He's, he's never done that. I do know other people who, who say that that's happened and, and whatever. I don't doubt that. The only thing about that, just a side note, whatever God says can never, ever, ever contradict what's already in the Bible. Never, ever, ever. So if you hear, you know, you prayed, oh, I did what pastor, you know, okay, now it's, and God says, go steal that guy's work so that you can get the promotion. Or go, I'm just gonna say, because God's word already said in Corinthians, go date that non-Christian and try to change them. God's word actually says, do not be yoked with unbelievers for what fellowship can there be between the light and the dark? And he goes on and on and on that passage. Go ahead and look. It's not me, it's God. So God is never gonna give you, if you do hear an audible voice, cool, <laughs> okay? But it, you gotta always test it. And it can never, ever, ever contradict what has already been written here. And if it does, then you know it wasn't from him. Most likely, it was from this guy. It was a flaming dart. So you just throw that out. You just, that's, that's not even. And if you don't know, what should you do? Read the Bible. Search for it. Ask your pastor. Google it. Do some research. So the second way that I give God a chance to communicate to me in prayer is by reading the words that he already spoke. Reading the words that he already spoke. So I don't know if you've ever thought of prayer this way, but part of prayer is reading God's word. Part of prayer is reading God's word. Wow, I thought prayer was just me talking and supplicating, presenting my needs. No, prayer is reading God's word. Why? Goes back to the first point, prayer is not just communication, it's communication for the sake of what? Relationship. So when you read God's word, what are you actually doing? You're familiarizing yourself more and more with God. And through his word, he has already revealed to us what moves his heart, what motivates him, what excites him, what gets him angry. It's him. It's a picture of him. And the more you stare at this picture of him, this portrait of who he is, as he reveals himself in the word, the more familiar you're going to get with him and thus enrich your relationship and your prayer life. Amen? Does that make sense? Prayer, part of prayer is reading and familiar, familiarizing yourself with the Bible, with God's word. So uh, a lot of times when I'm praying, God will actually not audibly, but he will remind me of a passage. And then that's usually the answer. Because again, his answer is constant. It never changes. So what was true yesterday is true today. It was true tomorrow. If it comes from God's word, it doesn't change. It does, it's not conditional. And so he will impress on my mind a Bible verse. He will impress on my mind a sermon that was preached like three months ago that I thought was really boring, but now it's like really relevant, you know? That's why you always gotta be paying attention, always, you know, have anticipation every time you come because you never know what God is gonna plant in you.
Prayer and the Bible go hand in hand. Um, throw, somebody throw me a Bible if you can. It's kind of weird holding this up. Thanks, Sonny. <laughs> One last thing about this. If you're nervous about like, how do I pray? You have your own personal book of prayers right here. If you don't know what to pray, just open up the Bible and you can literally just read it out loud and that can be your prayer. It's okay. Because God looks at the heart. And there's nothing, nothing more, as a parent, heartwarming when you have your child repeat your words back to you. And when we use this as a prayer book, as a prayer manual, and I'm reading, God, I'm feeling really afraid, but in Psalm 34, it says, I will praise you at all times. So God, even though I'm afraid, I want to praise you at all times. God hears that very simple, non-eloquent prayer that you didn't even create. You're just echoing his words back to him. But there's a relationship that's happening. There's an intimacy and there's a power. Amazing, isn't it? All right, a couple more points. Um, this one's really quick. What kinds of prayer are there? There are like so many. There's like confessional prayer. There's professing prayer or professional, uh, not paid professional, but professing prayer, right? There's private prayers. There's public prayers like we do here. Um, and we see it in the Bible in Acts. There's a lot of instances of public prayer. You know, some people read that passage in Matthew and say, Jesus said, when you pray, go into your closet. Don't go outside to where you can be seen. Well, that was, um, he's talking about your heart. Are you praying to, you know, be eloquent and fancy and gain, garner the praise of man? Um, or are you praying directly to God? That's what Jesus is talking about there. So he does want us to pray in public too. He's not prohibiting that practice because we see it throughout Acts all the time. Jesus prayed when he fed the 10,000. He didn't go find a room, pray, and then come back. Hey, no, he prayed in public. So I know that some people kind of have a misunderstanding. I just want to dispel that. So there's private, public uh, prayers. There's prayers of worship, prayers of repentance, prayers of lament, Thanksgiving, spiritual warfare. Um, to go into all of those is, you know, that's another sermon series for another time. Uh, but for today, um, I bring this up because I want you to understand that there's all kinds of different prayers. What does that mean? That you can talk to God about anything. There's nothing in your life and there's nothing in this crazy world that you can't then go to God and have a conversation about. God, you know, I saw this news thing about, you know, this horrible thing that's happening in, you know, Southeast Asia, and it just got me really angry. And I want to know how you feel about that. Is, is my anger okay? And then you go. You pray that and you have that conversation. And then you, after you've had your peace, now you say, God, now you talk to me. And if you're looking for, well, just... Look up things in the Bible. What does God say? God talks about how he hates oppression and injustice. You see how that works? 
You can talk about, to, to, about anything to God. There's nothing that's off limits with God in your conversations with him, okay? So there's all kinds of prayers. Again, that's another sermon series for another time. Today's last point. <clears throat> prayer, I think uh, it's in your notes here. Prayer is exercising our connection with God who is a source of life. Prayer is exercising our connection with God, with Yahweh, who is a source of life. Let's read this all together, shall we? And this is the testimony that God gave us eternal life and this life is in his son. He who has a son has life. Whoever does not have the son does not have life. All right, pretty straightforward, right? One of the things that we can learn there is God is a, he is the source of life. God is life. He is the source of life. And he who has the son of God has this eternal life. And so when we're talking about our connection to God, we're actually talking about connection to, to life. If we're not connected to God, we have no life. 1 John 5. If there's no connection to the source of life, then you're not going to have life. Think about this. Have you ever watched a TV when the TV isn't plugged in, connected into the source of electricity? Probably not, unless you're a really poor college student and you had a lot of time on your hands one Friday night. <laughs> Right? You might as well you know, just go outside and watch the grass grow because at least that way you'll get some sun and some fresh air. Maybe you'll meet a friend or two, right? When the TV is not connected to an energy source, it's not alive. It's just a screen. It just sits there. It does nothing. It serves no purpose. It's just static. But on the other hand, when it's plugged in, then all this stuff happens, right? In the same way, when you and I pray and when you and I communicate our heart and when you and I have this self-disclosure with God and God has self-disclosure to us, then now you're connecting to the source of life. Now you can cultivate a dynamic full color, you know, UHD, 8K, you know, when there's a lot of 8K content available one day, right? Living relationship with God. When you connect with God and when you exercise that connection, your relationship with God will take a quantum leap in intimacy and in joy and in satisfaction. That's prayer. Yahweh has given you his personal line. Let's use it. Let's use it, right? I hope you're starting to feel the urge to pray, like, hmm, I, I want to pray now. I have some things I want, and I want to, God, I want to know what's on your heart. It's been like 10 years. I've been a Christian for 10 years. I've never thought to ask you what you, I want to know. Can you tell me what you, what's on your heart? What's on your mind? I'm so sorry. I want to know. 
Talking with God is good. <laughs> it is very good. So do it and do it often. In fact, do it without ceasing. Uh, God also tells us in, in the book of First Thessalonians chapter 5, he says, rejoice always, pray continually or pray without ceasing, give thanks in all circumstances, which you can also do in your prayers. Why? For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. That's God's will. In other words, God wants, God's will for you is to have a relationship with him. He wants you to call him and talk and have an exchange of self-disclosure. You with God and God with you. That is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. Go ahead and look it up if you need. There's so much more that God teaches about prayer, but I want to give you all some time to try something out today, like I mentioned. And so we're going to wrap up with this. So Yahweh, he instructs us to pray, but there's a problem here. The problem is this, iniquity, or just that's a biblical word for, you know, remember I mentioned like you don't need to be eloquent? Well, if the Bible uses the word, that's okay then. You get a pass, all right? So the Bible uses that word iniquity is, you know, wickedness. That mutes your prayers. So it's like if you have iniquity, it's like the mute button on the remote control. And it's like you have, if, if I cherish, right here it says, Look at verse 18 of Psalm 66. Read that. If I had cherished iniquity in my heart, the Lord would not have listened. Whoa. Whoa. So if I cherish sin, wickedness, if there's something in my heart that I'm just, I don't want to let go, but I know it's wicked and God has made it very clear, but I'm like, but you, you God, you're so, you're so nice. You're so gentle. You're so forgiving. Just, just kind of, you know, let me have this. Sure, you can have it. Go ahead. But your prayers won't be listened to. It's like a mute button. Huh? What? What are you saying? Whoa, this is kind of scary. It was kind of, you know, going along very nice and feeling good. And now, now this. If I cherished iniquity in my heart, the Lord would not have listened. But there's good news. The psalmist in 66, come in here, all you who fear God. I will tell you what he has done for me. I cried out to him with my mouth and high praise was on my tongue. And then he says this, but truly God has listened. He has attended to the voice of my prayer. What? Blessed be God because he has not rejected my prayer or removed his steadfast love for me. What I'm not showing you is how did this happen? How do you go from 18 to, to this part where he, his prayer's not muted? It's not rejected. Well, what I didn't show you is the verses above. The verses above contain a passage where it talks about making an offering to cleanse their sin. The problem with this, though, this is written before Jesus was incarnated, as Jesus was always there, but before his incarnation or he was born as a little baby. Every time throughout the year, 
that you had sin, you had to go this, through this elaborate ritual and you had to go to the priest and they had to do this thing and sacrifice this thing and cut this thing and take the blood and sprinkle this and sprinkle that and, and it could only happen at certain times of the year and so you'd have to wait. Or, you know, it was, it was this elaborate system of offering and the problem was, <laughs> you're like, I, I really have some things I gotta tell God about but I have this iniquity and I can't approach God. I've got a big problem. And do you know what God did? God did what you could not do for yourself. That offering that if you look earlier in these verses up there that I didn't show, there is an offering that God provided that removes your iniquity and not just for certain parts of the calendar year, but for all time. As far as the east is from the west, he has removed our transgressions, our sins, our iniquities from us. And how did he do this? By sending his son to be the lamb, the sacrificial lamb, to be offered up on the altar of God as atonement, as a propitiation, as a payment. Again, that's a biblical word, okay, or a theological word. Um, so that your sins would be erased. So that now you can join the psalmist and you can say, God has listened. And not because of my good works, not because of my morality, but because of what Jesus did for me. Because guess what? Your morality, you know this, right? One day you're, you're doing great. You're like giving to the poor and you're forgiving your enemies. And the next day it's like, I don't care about you. You know, driving, ah, you're, it's your fault. Or, you know, oh, I hate that guy. He's so ugly. <laughs> hate his face, <laughs> right? So then how, what are we left to? You're left to the, you're at the mercy of your own like whims. Thank God that he has not left you to your own devices. Thank God that he is merciful and gracious and understanding and that he has not removed his steadfast love from you and that this blood of the sacrificial lamb lasts forever. Amen? Jesus removes our iniquity and he reestablishes that connection to life. Let's read that. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. We'll skip down. Um, everyone who believes in him will not be put to shame. How cool is that? You will not be put to shame. For there is no distinction between Jew and Greek. In other words, anybody, this is accessible by anyone, for the same Lord is Lord of all, bestowing his riches on all who call him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. That's all you need to do. And that offering that removes the iniquity so that your prayer can be heard, so that you can have a connection with God, so that you can have connection to the source of life and not be like that TV that's not plugged in. All that is made possible. All that was purchased. Not because you were able to, but because Jesus thought of you. Last thing, and we're going to pray. 
when Jesus was about to die and he knew he was gonna die, he kept telling his disciples, I'm gonna die. <laughs> and that kind of made his disciples really angry. I'm like, why do you keep saying that? Anyway, he kept saying because he was preparing them. Do you know on the night before he died, do you know what he, he was thinking about? He prayed to God, not about just himself. He did pray for him, but not just himself. He prayed for you. He said, I pray not only for those that you gave to me, but I pray for those who will come after me. He's talking about you guys. He's talking about me. And do you know what he says? He says, I pray that we will be with them and they will be with us. And he's talking about his father and the son. Jesus' prayer request was to be with you. John 17. You can look it up. Jesus' prayer request, the prayer request of Yahweh, the day that he was, the night before he was going to die, his prayer request was to be with you. That was his prayer request. John 17. What a good God. <laughs> 